welcome to the podcast with Suzanne and Amy, brought to you by Homeschool Life Magazine. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Amy. And this is Episode 9, recording on Tuesday, November 15th, 2016. And, um, well, first I should apologize because I think I'm coming down with a cold. So I'm going to get our sound engineer to edit out most of the sniffles. Well, we've actually, Suzanne and I are both based in Georgia, and there's actually a lot of yucky air here right now because right. we have some wildfires going on in the north part of the state. Yeah, apparently North Georgia's on fire. So, um, yeah, so that's been fun. So <laughs> I apologize. I'm a sniffler at the best of times, and I just apologize <laughs> for And also, I'm also completely um, hopped up on cold medicine. So I'm working about three-quarters speed um, brain-wise, but, you know, but that's fine. That's not, that's not so, so very unusual. Um, our other first order of business is, that, is to promise um, not to talk about the election. We don't want to talk about the election or, as it's known in our house, uh, the recent unpleasantness, uh-huh. uh, except to say that, gosh, it's been a tough, tough week, and I think it's going to be tough for a while. Um, and so I, you know, I just kind of want everybody to know out there, if you're having a tough time, if you're listening to this right now and you're having a tough time, you know, gosh, you're not alone. Um, and how, how have you guys been doing? You know, I think that, I mean, I, I think you're right. I think it's just been a really tough time. I, yeah. And I think, I, but, but it is comforting to know that many people feel the toughness of the time. So we're kind of united in that. Right. Right. I think, I think that's true. And, and you and I talked about it and we thought that uh, an appropriate topic for today's uh, homeschool discussion would be homeschooling during challenging times, because I think I think these are challenging times. Yes. And of course, Uh, these times, but also, um, you know, there are plenty of other challenges that crop up in life. Um, A few years ago, you know, my mother-in-law had cancer and we homeschooled through, you know, years of her cancer care and eventually through the end of her life. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're just you're gonna hit rough seas at some point when you're homeschooling. I mean, I made a, I made a short but not, um, <laughs> but not complete list of. I was trying to think of all the stuff that's happened because we've been doing it for 15 years or something. I mean, so there were three babies in there, and I do not do well in pregnancy or with a new baby. In I the house. still cannot imagine homeschooling with a baby well, or being okay, pregnant. So, the little ones were teeny, so it was okay, you know, but still, we were trying. I mean, at some point, you know, uh, Thomas was a f- f- kindergartner and a first grader through all that. Um, and then, of course, you know, illness, and also I have, I have, you know, moderate to severe asthma, depending on, on what's happening, and also chronic depression. So aside from just getting, uh, you know, the regular flu or the cold or whatever I've got right now, um, you know, that comes up. Uh, like like you said, death in the family or a friend or a family member in crisis, or maybe one day you just break both ankles. <laughs> yes, uh, that's true. As has happened to both of us. You know, we really should change the name of the podcast, like to Who Needs Ankles? It's or... so true. I, I have to say that it is one of my favorite things about you is that you can truly empathize <laughs> with double broken ankles. Not many people that you meet ankles, in life are that clumsy. And I ankles love are for you wimps, are. you know, I mean, whatever it is, I think, you know, we just, there are times in life. 
so um so yeah so what do you do when you break both ankles or when you uh have a family member in crisis or something like that how do you keep homeschooling and my first piece of advice what i'm going to start out with is don't yay Uh, yeah it is really okay to stop homeschooling for a while i have personally i have not homeschooled through you know all of the above right that list i just gave i have i have not homeschooled through many of those times and my oldest still got into college um my second oldest seems to be doing fine the two young ones the jury's still out but i'm i'm fairly confident they're going to be okay so yeah it will be okay um sometimes i wish i had somebody to like give me permission that to just stop for a while and focus on my mental and physical health. Um, so I am officially giving everyone permission. I will write you a note, you know, tweet me, I'll write you a note. <laughs> and uh, yeah, if you are not up for homeschooling, then just, it is okay not to. And I consider that, I consider that a feature, not a bug. You know, I have had- Software engineer. I know, I have had, I've had people come up to me like, oh, well, what do you happens when you're sick and you can't do it or something? I'm like, well, we just don't do homeschool that day. And I think that can be kind of um, concerning, like if you're used to sending your kids to school every day and wait, all of a sudden school has to stop because the teacher is sick or because there's too much going on in, the li- in our lives or whatever. But it works out okay. And I actually think that it's really good as a family because often these are things that are not just affecting you personally, they're affecting the entire family. And I think it's great that as a family, we can shift down to a lower gear and focus on something else and be together. I was not thrilled having to send the 15-year-old to school on Wednesday last week. She was fine. And she got to see her friends. And that was all good. But, um, but yeah, I I think it's actually really great if you have a death in the family, if you have something like that, to be able to say, you guys, we're just going to take a break from homeschool for right now, and we're just going to be together as a family. Uh, so has, what has your experience been? Well, I think that too, and I, I think one, one point that is worth making is that just because you're not doing homeschool doesn't mean that nobody's learning anything or right. getting anything out of those days. I mean, it's not like you've tied your kids up and said you are prohibited from learning anything for the next six weeks <laughs> <laughs> that's right go in. there's a closet I want you to go sit in it please. yes yeah so so I mean even if you are not doing any kind of hands-on stuff there's a good chance that your children are not going to get substantially stupider while you're being hands-off right right I think that's really true and I I mean I think that is You know, I say this all the time, but for us, that is one of the reasons that we homeschool year round is because we can take those days when we need them and not even think about it, which I'm not saying that you have to homeschool year round to not even think about it. For me, it lets me do that. Yeah. And I think it's, it's great to have that kind of slack built into the system. And even if you don't homeschool year round, guess what? You can if you want to. Right. I mean, if you have a really difficult year and you come around to May and you're like, you know what, maybe let's try to do X, Y, and Z over the summer. You know, even if it's not a full schedule, you can always, you can always adapt. You can always change up to reflect the current circumstances. And that is something that's really wonderful about homeschooling, in my opinion. Um, I do know, I mean, having said that, not homeschooling has been a really different experience for me, depending on whether I have older children in the house. Like now I've got, you know, a tween and a teen, or back in the day when I had four young'uns, 
um, very youngins. And because with the older ones, I mean, after they've made that switch to from kind of side by side learning to independent learning where I can just say, okay, this is your math lesson for today. You know, do lesson 33. Come and ask me if you have a question. I'll check it at the end and we'll go over any any problems you have. Um, That's a lot easier, right? If I want to keep homeschooling, because let's say my daughter who's an eighth grader is going to be in ninth grade next year and I don't really want to take this week off. Um, given that we kind of took last week off and we're taking next week off for Thanksgiving, I can just say, okay, guys, this is your list for today. I want you to do math, grammar, and spelling. Come see me if you have any trouble. And they're kind of off on their own. Um, If I don't want to do that, I can also say, go and entertain yourselves and leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) You can do whatever you want. I will ring the bell of summoning if I want you to bring me chicken soup or something. Um, So that's really super easy. Gosh, it was less easy. When it was, say, I don't know, 10, 8, 6, and 4, something well, like that. Yeah, because that's when you can't say, you can say no homeschooling, but you can't say no parenting. That's right. And there were times when actually I didn't want to homeschool, but I went ahead and did it anyway, just because I figured, oh, I'm going to have to parent them anyway. I might as well go with the structure that we already have even though I really wasn't feeling up for it, and homeschool them instead of trying to just let them run crazy and then by 1 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm crazy. Right. Um, So, you know, so I want to acknowledge that it's a lot different with younger children. Um, And so I guess my suggestion with younger children is, especially, you can actually with all ages, but especially with younger children, is, gosh, spend the day doing something you love. Um. For us, that's that's reading aloud, right? I, I really believe that if you can find something that you love to do with your children and you can structure your homeschool around that. I know I've talked about that before, but it really transformed my homeschooling life kind of once I figured that out. Uh, so reading aloud is it for me. Um, I knew it was reading aloud because when I was pregnant and I was waiting for my first baby to be born, you know, I think we all have kind of like rose-tinted daydreams of what we're going to do with our child and what it's going to be like. And with me, it was sitting in a rocking chair and reading to them and uh, going through my collection of books and all yeah. that kind of stuff. So our whole homeschool day is kind of structured around that. We read first thing. That's the first thing we do together in the morning. We read aloud. We read aloud right after lunch. That's our midday reading. Um, and then we read aloud in the evenings before bedtime. And so for me, if I'm going to take a day and I want to still be, you know, interacting and kind of feeling like I'm homeschooling, it's just a read aloud day. And I have, I will sit in bed with the kids and we'll all have our pajamas and I will read until literally my voice gives out. <laughs> um, but there's so, I mean, there's so many other things. I mean, if you haven't found something to structure your homeschool around, if you haven't, you know, I really encourage you to consider that and to consider if it's, whether it's cooking or being outside and doing nature walks or, you know, music, playing games, games, you know, whatever, arts and crafts. You know, I really think that can be the heart of your homeschool. Um, And so when a day comes along where you're not quite up to the regular homeschooling, it can really feel like a gift to say, gosh, okay, I'm going to take the whole day and focus on that. So maybe you can make a new recipe with your kids, or maybe you can drive to a park that's a little bit out of your everyday um, visiting and and really just take advantage of having a whole day to enjoy that. 
Because I think, I think that when things are tough and you're like, well, I'm only going to do one thing today, it's mm -hmm. really sort of intellectually tempting to pick the hardest thing, the most difficult thing, the thing that you like least. To feel obligated. Yes. To say, okay, well, we're, we're only going to do math today. We only, I'm only going to do one thing today. I'm only going to try to do math. And I think if you can focus instead on doing the thing that you love, the right. thing that lights your homeschool up inside, which could be math. No offense to math. No offense to math. I have a, a couple of friends for whom it would be math. Um, I just think it's, it's, the result is so much more what you're looking for. Right, right. And, and if you don't have that, if you don't already have that kind of built into your homeschool routine, first I encourage you to do it. And if you're having trouble thinking of what it can be, make a list, right? I mean, make a list of, of fun things that you can imagine doing with your kids, baking cookies, doing an art project together, um, making music together, something like that. And just maybe, maybe on an off day or maybe build it into your homeschool to give those things a try to see, to see what you find yes. that, that you really, you know, nature walks, there's uh, what the Charlotte Mason homeschooling style, the nature, the daily nature hikes are so such a big part of that. Um, I just, I think there's, there's a lot, and sometimes it's not logistically possible. I did try to figure out how I could go to Disney every single day <laughs> while homeschooling and I couldn't do it. So there may be things that are more difficult, but I, I just really encourage you to find, to find that thing or those things that, um, that you just, that you just love to do. Yes. And then when bad times come along, you can focus on that. So. So, and I'd also love to hear, I talk about reading all the time and I talk about this topic, the heart of the homeschool all the time. If you guys have something that you found, what your thing is, leave it as a comment on the podcast. Oh yeah, we would love to know. Yeah, or send Suzanne and I are both such bookish people. Right. Books are kind of our go-to. Right. So yeah, definitely let us know um, what, your, what your thing is. But I think doing what you love is a really great way to get through the day. Um, and if you're not up for that, if you have, I don't know, two broken ankles or pneumonia <laughs> or your wisdom teeth just came out and the mean old oral surgeon lied to you about how long the recovery would be. Okay. And then when you Can mentioned I just say it to they him, always said, lie about that. They, oral surgeons never tell the truth about how long recovery will be. Well, it's I went to my oral surgeon week. and I was not even like being angry at him I was just saying hey this was my experience so maybe next time maybe tell somebody a little bit differently and he said well we don't usually operate on people as old as you are so it was my fault for being too old for having my wisdom teeth taken out and that did not make me feel better so don't go to that oral surgeon because he was not nice to me anyway <laughs> um so the, in, in my opinion, this is why God gave us television. If you <laughs> are the stuck, dark times. if you are stuck on the couch, I, this is, this is the way I survived pregnancy was on my couch, children assorted around me and, and GPS kids, you know, public television programming, kids programming was on all day. Now with streaming, oh, it doesn't even have to be Dora the Exp it can be so many beautiful things. It, it doesn't be, have to be Caillou. I I'm a, no. I feel so bad. I'm a Caillou hater. I hate no, Caillou. No, nobody likes Caillou. Everybody hates Caillou. Odd Squad is really cute. That's on now. I have like watched Odd Squad when there's nobody else in the house but me. Wow. Not that my teenager wants to watch Odd Squad anyway. But um, And there's a couple different things you can do. If you want to feel virtuous, 
With a television, you can do, we call it homeschool matinee. And that's when we put on, you know, we find a Nova or we find Ken Burns some documentaries. Exactly. Ken Burns documentaries. We're watching a, a, some Shakespeare documentaries right now. Um, find a movie adaptation of a play or a book that you've read. We're going to watch, we just finished reading Oliver Twist, so we're going to watch the Oliver musical. Um, uh, find, travel shows are great. Globe Trucker, you want to use Globe Trucker as part of your ge- geography curriculum. Um, movies based on historical events. There's, I mean, you can really be virtuous about it. Yes. Uh, which is a great option. Or you can be completely unvirtuous. Well, I think a pop culture education is very important, right? I mean, one of the the knocks on homeschooling is that our kids are isolated and they don't they don't get into the same pop culture as the rest of their their peers. And I'm like, well, I'm going to handle that. So, um, well, I actually share them with pop culture with my childhood. So I guess you know how I feel about that, because I spent, as Suzanne knows, too well because I complain about it all the time I spent the majority of my childhood with no television right so I was completely unplugged from what the people around me were plugged into right right and I'm not really dissing people you know if you don't have a television in your house you know more power to you but I love the television and yeah this is a great time put on the Looney Tunes marathon um the Muppet Show have your children watched all the episodes of the original Muppet Show if not why not get on that (laughs) Um, the original Star Wars trilogy, Star Trek, I mean, whatever, whatever that you can just, you can marathon these things off Netflix or whatever. And, um, that's a good day. (laughs) That is a really good day. Uh, yeah. So have you done, I mean, what is the pop culture that you have made? Do you have pop culture that you need to show your children since you didn't have television or? Oh, well, I think my children I've done a really good job of making sure that they have access to pop culture my children are better informed about pop culture than I am I would say <laughs> as it should be I I think that's I, how well, it no, be. as as definitely as it should be I just are there anything other than books from your childhood that you want to share <laughs> well I did teach my daughter how to do candle wicking which I learned how to do <laughs> when I was like nine which is like this uh, colonial sewing style, like where you make... I was going to say, were you wearing your your uh, Little House on the Prairie gingham? In fact, I had three different Little House on the Prairie gingham dresses with matching aprons and bonnets, Suzanne. Okay, so my favorite dress when I was growing up was a Little House on the Prairie long dress with a bonnet and the apron. And I wore it... We have... <laughs> I, I was really short and I didn't grow. So I wore it like the first day of school, like three years in a row. Oh, and I still have it. If more people would wear this, I would, I say we should bring back those dresses. They're the most comfortable things ever. Oh, I was really, I mean, this is like kindergarten, first grade, this kind of thing. And I, I, I have pictures of my daughters wearing it now. And um, anyway, so I'm not really dissing the, the little house on the prairie movement. Um, anyway. Yeah. So, so. Yeah. So spend the day on the television. Watch Little House on the Prairie. Watch yes. all of the Little House on the Prairie. Um, Make star charts. Um, yeah. Bake bread. <laughs> exactly. And then I, the last thing I had on my list was um, was ask for help. You know, if kind of like if and I don't mean that as a last resort. I mean, I put it last. I'm like, oh, that sounds like it's a last resort. I don't even mean it as an ask, last resort. I'm like, we have got I mean, homeschooling. Being a stay-at-home parent, and then on top of that, homeschooling can be so isolating, and people cannot read your mind, right? I mean, we, we, 
people cannot know necessarily that the, you need to talk to somebody um, or that you need help. You need some help with, can you just, you know, can my kids go over to your house for a couple hours or whatever? Uh, the, when I had the broken ankles, my dad flew out um, to help us. So there is nothing wrong with, with asking for help with your friends and your family. And if you have fellow homeschoolers that you can ask for help, knowing that you will be available to return the favorite someday, you know, that's, that is a wonderful community to have around you. Yeah, I think, I know we talk about this on the podcast a lot, this feeling that homeschoolers have that they have to put up this front all the time that everything is great and everything is fine and everything is just going so well because mm -hmm. we feel like we have to be ambassadors for homeschooling right. at every minute. Um, and the sooner we can shake that notion kind of as a group, because I think we all get caught up in it, uh, the better, because the more you feel like you're not in it alone, the more empowered you feel to get through difficult things. Right. And I, I think right now, the challenging times right now is a really, I worry about people who may feel like they're alone and, and feel like they don't know their neighbors, feel like um, they don't know who they can talk to. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't want anybody to be alone right now. No. That's, that's important to me. And it's been really beautiful to see how we're not alone, how together so many of us are in right. this. So right. even if you feel alone, trust me when I say there are many people out there feeling the exact same way. So none of us is really alone. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so that was kind of my list. What did you have on, on, on your list? Well, as usual, you did a great job touching on everything. I will just add <laughs> that I think sometimes when you feel like things are really difficult, one of the best ways to kind of break through that funk a little bit is to do something nice for other people, to kind of participate in small-scale acts of goodness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that for me this week, I've dedicated a lot of time to um, – reaching out to my different representatives to speak up about things that I care about. And that has yep. made me feel better. Um, I've, you know, made in the past donations to organizations that I support or collected food for our local food bank. Um, times when I feel the worst about something are times when doing some small good thing can make me feel the most better. I think that, yeah, that's very true. I mean, just, just reaching out to people, doing something positive, putting something positive out there, um, being grateful for the, the positivity we're getting from others. You know, I think, I think that's so important that volunteering and, and doing what you can to help other people, uh, it really makes a huge difference. And again, that's something great to model for our kids. I'm not saying that's the most important reason to do it, but that happens to be a side effect. Well, and I think it's a great thing for kids to see is what a difference that can make in how you feel. I think that right. is something you have to experience firsthand. And for many right. people, that means following your parents around while they do it. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I, think, I think that can be a really great thing. And that actually leads me into, gosh, so, so my life this past week has all a bit about coping mechanisms. <laughs> And I've brought them all out. I have a selection of, of coping mechanisms from, from years with 
anxiety and depression and, and everything else. And I've, I've brought them all out. And like one of the main ones I think is, is basically what you just talked about, a kind of being out in the community and connecting with like-minded groups and seeing what you could do. And I was really fortunate this past week, there were some pre-planned events, events that had been planned in the months in the making. Um, this past Saturday, our local uh, masjid, that's another word for mosque. I, I didn't know what that means, so, so I'll tell people. Uh, I just learned that fairly recently. Um, was having a community event where they invited the community, and it was a little taste of event. So they had different, different tables set up with different local restaurants. They had a halal barbecue oh, awesome. place. Yeah, I had halal barbecue. It was tasted just like regular barbecue. It was delicious. <laughs> and... Um, and so I really wanted to go to that on Saturday just to kind of, and my kids came. They had actually been to that masjid before as part of a field trip from our church. And um, it was just really nice to be out. And they, it was a community event, so they were making a point of being very welcoming. And I talked to many lovely people, and it just felt so positive and optimistic. And new connections are being formed. Um, and that was already on the calendar. Uh, and then this past Sunday, I've mentioned before on the podcast that, that I belong to a Unitarian Universalist church. If you don't know what that is, we are a motley collection of uh, liberal progressives <laughs> uh, of all different beliefs, atheists and deists and, and everything, pagans, um, Christians, every, you know, uh, and we often have a, um, a roadside witness about once a month, which is just going out and standing by our road and holding up signs, uh, Black Lives Matter, you know, waving rainbow flags, um, uh, you know, love versus hate, all of all of that kind of stuff. And we don't we don't actually live. We don't live. We are our, our, our uh, congregation isn't on like this hugely traveled road. So maybe 20 cars will come by. <laughs> But it is really surprisingly powerful to stand out by the road with a Black Lives Matter sign or with a rainbow flag. I I love that. You know, celebrate diversity or whatever. Um, And you never know. I mean, it makes us feel good this past. And it was important. We didn't have one scheduled for this past Sunday, but we went ahead and did one for obvious reasons. And we had a person who had never been to our church, a person who was new to the area, pulled over. And was very emotional and and said that that, you know, that she had been she just moved here to Georgia from a blue state and was just feeling at a loss. And um, it really made a difference for her. So, I mean, that's, you know, these are it's it's a small thing, but it's being out. I mean, it was it's it was important to be with people and doing it together and making a statement. And then as it happened again, already on the calendar, our youth group was going to work with. it's a different masjid, um, their youth group. And we have annually for the past several years, the Atlanta uh, uh, Center for the IRC, which is a national organization, the International Rescue oh, Committee, I think. Sometimes I get it wrong. Um, but IRC, it's a group that supports uh, new refugees to America. And they throw, in Atlanta, they throw an annual Thanksgiving dinner. And our youth group helps with, um, in, in cooperation with the youth group from another local masjid, um, helps put on the Thanksgiving dinner. And that's happening this Saturday. So my point that I kind of just wanted to make, aside from I'm grateful that this stuff was already in my life because I feel like if it wasn't there, 
I would need to go out and find it and find these groups that are out there that are doing these these great things. Yes. And that are supporting the causes that I believe so strongly in and that I think now more than ever we're going to need to put, we're not going to need to be visible and out there and supporting. So I just really, I hope that everybody out there, I hope you've got a community like that. Um, if you don't, they exist. Uh, find, you know, find them. Yes. And it will, it will make a huge difference, I think. Um, yeah, I but, love that. I, th I think that's, it's amazing to, because that is, I think, what you need when things are hard. You need to see that things can, can be better, that there are people doing things that are better, that things are going right somewhere. Right. And still the same people were all here. The same people who were here before the election are all here. Yep. You know, and yeah. But I don't, I don't want to make it sound like I've been out all week, like protesting and marching and, and doing virtuous things, because really I've spent most of the week in bed with my covers over my head. Yeah, I, it's kind of been a pillow for a week around here. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I left the house for three or four days. And when I did, it was to go to the library. So it was like my happy place. So I was like, let me go to my happy place now. Um, yeah, I thought about not leaving the house for four years, but logistically that seems a bit tricky. Um, so anyway, so my, my other coping mechanisms have been not leaving the house. Um, not, I, I have gone, I have been completely off the internet pretty much no social media um no certainly no news i haven't even gone to like my regular websites just like book websites and entertainment websites because i know they're going to have articles that i'm not quite ready to read yet i mean positive articles articles that about what i believe in and that i agree with but still i'm just i'm like just beginning to kind of tippy toe out there again um but yeah, I, I, I think I'm, and I'm on a news embargo. I'm not listening to NPR. I'm not watching the news, which has been a, a change, a lifestyle change. And, oh, and I should apologize. We had, I had people tweet to me after, after, you know, now that I have a Twitter handle. And that's awesome. It's so awesome. Thank you people so much. And if I was organized, I'd, I'd thank you by your handle, but I'm not organized <laughs> right now. Thank you so much. First of all, I still don't know how to work Twitter and I'm scared to press any of the buttons. I'm like, okay, I think this is a like button. I think I'll press that. So I haven't figured out how to, well, I could if I wanted to. I haven't been brave enough to tweet yet, but I really appreciate it. And I'm going to get back on. You should um, tweet that our new episode of the podcast is out. You can oh, do that. I'll, That's like low pressure. That'll be my first tweet. I'll tweet that. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm going to get back on and that's, you know, I, I really enjoy hanging out with all the people. I just needed a little break. Um, so instead of that, I have been binge watching, gosh, Portlandia, Parks and Rec, um, all the funny episodes of X-Files, Gilmore Girls is what my daughter's watching, um, Project Runway. <laughs> there's, there's been a lot of binge watching. Uh, season three of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's my comfort rewatch. There you go. Just over and over. Yeah. The prom episode always makes me cry. The good kind of crying where it's like cathartic and right. soul cleanse. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So this is how I get out my cross stitch. My cross stitch has actually been collecting dust for a while. So I get out my cross stitch again and I cross stitch and I have the TV on. That's, that's, that's my, my big, that's my big coping mechanism. <laughs> And you know what? I think that's a perfectly acceptable coping mechanism. That's right. Oh, and there's been lots of Hamilton music. That's what I've been listening to instead of NPR and podcasts. I've been listening to music. Um, yeah, a lot of Hamilton. Well, um, Hamilton's at least, at least fun post-election. I mean, it feels it feels relevant. Like you're tapped into the zeitgeist of 
politics, right. even if you're not listening to NPR. And, and Lin-Manuel Miranda always makes me feel happy. And the uh, mixtape is coming out. Yes. In early yes. Yes, I, yes. I actually thought about mentioning it in one of the Stuff We Like roundups that we do on the blog every week. But uh-huh. then I thought, no, Suzanne will mention it. I'll leave it for her. <laughs> <laughs> the Hamilton is mine. Um, so, yeah, that plus, plus chocolate is, is always good. Music is always good. Okay, but I have a confession about library chicken. Um, okay, well, I mean, I, I would like to state for the record that I am not sure that any of the usual rules apply during times of crisis. <laughs> and that includes the rules of library chicken. So you can go ahead with your confession, but I just want to have that on the record. Well, you know, like I said, somebody tweeted, like, congratulations on winning library chicken. Okay, so and then my goal was for the rest of the year to read the books that I actually have in the house. And um, instead, I went to my happy place and I have maxed out my card and my husband's card and maxed out my hold. So I'm officially in and I actually am officially because my daughter had a um, had a school thing going on that was actually way, way south of town, close to the airport. So I had to drive her and drop her off at a high school down there. And then she was busy doing that for a couple hours. And I discovered there was a brand new library right next door. And it was still in my library. It was still in my county library system. So I maybe came home with a stack of library books <laughs> from that. I don't have, because you don't have to return them there. I can return them to my library. Right. And um, so, yeah. So, and so I officially am at the point where I have books checked out and I have holds waiting on the hold shelf. And I have to read the books to make space to check out the holds. Okay, so here's, I don't think that that should count as library chicken. I think that we should consider that a book bender. Ooh, a book bender. That is a wonderful phrase. Yeah, I think that you are entitled to a couple of book benders over the course of your library chicken life. Where, it just, it makes like, me happy. There's all these shiny new books I surrounding think, me. Yes, I think that's like, comfort reading in a, in a very specific way yes that shouldn't yes. count toward your library chicken totals yes okay well you yeah can argue it's your <laughs> you kind of made well up i think chicken. i was trying to think of what like what is what is the heart of library chicken because it's not just having your your card maxed out it's like i think it's having your card and your holds maxed out so that you've got books waiting for you at the library that there's a time, you know, I only have a week to pick them up or they'll go back. They'll disappear back into the vast sea of library books and I'll have to put them on hold again. Um, what, but I still, but I don't have enough space on my card to check them out. So I have to read books. It's something that that's, that's the tension. That is the core of the game, right. I think. And then to keep that going by, I just, I just put, I may have just put another book on hold just shortly before we started the podcast <laughs> i think the post-trauma book bender should be a thing let's make it a thing the book bender <laughs> the book bender I, okay i want somebody can design a t-shirt please oh and, yeah will somebody make us a book bender t-shirt <laughs> and a library chicken t-shirt too yes please do that for us and um because <laughs> i would wear that all Actually, the, we the shirt that i'm wearing library now chicken shirts that would be really fun that would be fun I have a, so um, my, my son at one point, somebody gave him this, this t-shirt. It's a giant grumpy cat t-shirt and it just has a giant grumpy cat and says, no. Um, and I've, and he didn't, it, it wasn't his style. So he left it here when he went for college. I have been wearing it for the past week. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm wearing, you have to picture me with my grumpy cat t-shirt with a giant no on it, surrounded by piles of books. Oh, 
and chocolate wrappers. I'm happy to picture that. <laughs> that makes me believe that the world is a better place. <laughs> Uh, well, so do you have any particular coping mechanisms aside from comfort reading? And, and season three of Buffy, the Vampire Slayer. That's right. That's Joss right. Eden is, you know, my my comfort. I mean, we're going to focus. Yeah. We're um, gonna, did you see that? I also really like to paint things when I'm kind oh, of depressed because yeah, yeah. I noticed that, like, things in my house are changing color because of me. <laughs> So. But that's that's great, though. I think that's great. Yeah, apparently that is a response that I have to stress. Is to paint things. Yeah, I've painted all our chairs, all our dining room chairs. They're like lined up on the front porch right now. If you drive by my house, you'll see we have green chairs now. Hi. <laughs> I was going to ask, were they all the same color or did you paint? Because I would probably paint like one red and one blue. I don't know. I'm such a square, you know, Suzanne, like deep in my heart. I'm like, I'm like a square. They're all green. They're all the same shade of green. I don't think that's square. I think that may be grown up. I think um, it's what you're <laughs> adulting. It may not be square, but I am square. <laughs> oh, God. Well, of course, the big thing for both of us is comfort reading. Yes. I, because so. what is all those nights when you can't sleep and you're sitting up reading the, your little glowing ebook so that your yeah. husband is able to get some sleep? Yeah. I just get up and turn on the light. I don't even care. Oh, you're so, yeah. Well, it's, I, he's so hostile about going to sleep. He'll be like, he'll come to bed and he'll be like, okay, I'm tired. I'm going to go to sleep now. And he turns over and he goes to sleep. I'm well, like, that's just throwing it in my face. I call that the lack of transition. Like, <sighs> I dislike a lack of transition. If my husband wants to go to bed, he needs to let me know at least 45 minutes before he's going to roll over and go to sleep. I don't like that. <laughs> it just drives me crazy because he can decide now is the time that I want to go to sleep. And then he does. Yeah. That's, and I mean, I'm that's sorry, aggressive. Suzanne, Come on. Sure that's not like some Android or something. I know. That is just, it just powers down. That's not, that's not okay. But, um. Well, with all my comfort reading, I did not quite finish To Kill a Mockingbird, which is what we were um, supposed to read for this podcast. And I am going to read it. I started it. And um, we're going to talk about it in our next podcast, which is yes, fine. Which is fine. So that's, so that's my apology for not doing my assignment. Instead, I just made a giant list. I haven't actually been reading these because some of these books I have read so many times that I start reading them. And then I feel like it was just like I read the first paragraph and I have the experience almost of reading the whole book. Yeah. Just because. But I mean, gosh, Jane Austen, Dorothy Sayers, Georgette Heyer, P.G. Woodhouse. Um, Map and Lucia is good comfort reading. It, it is good comfort reading. That is some good comfort reading. Um, the Blue Sword by Robin McKinley. Sorcery um, and Cecilia. Sorcery and Cecilia. I hope that's on your list. It is. To Say Nothing of the Dog. Um, yes. That's that's good. That's some good stuff. What what are your what are in your top ten? So we have a lot of overlap with Jane we Austen and Dorothy Sayers. I could read the Peter Winsey, Harriet Vane mysteries mm -hmm, all day, mm -hmm. and have done. <laughs> um, yeah. I love Ellen Montgomery's short stories, uh, where all the plucky orphans end up having families and love at the end. Like sometimes. oh wait 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 I'm gonna have to write that down. Ellen Montgomery. I don't think I've read her. Uh, no, Anne of Green Gables. Oh, 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 Ellen. Oh, gosh. See, I heard Ellen. And anyway, yes, you're absolutely right. Anne of Green Gables was actually on my list. <laughs> all, those, all those plucky little little heroes. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I think all of her short stories are free for the Kindle now. Oh, okay. I don't think I've read her short stories. Well, I mean, they are predictable and formulaic, but sort of like reassuring. They're like the mashed potatoes 
of literature. Right. Right. And sometimes you just really want mashed potatoes. I do. Um, and Schwangza, do you read um, the da- the Taoist writer Schwangza? I, I don't think I have. Um, so this I always, and the Myth of Sisyphus by Camus. Those are like the two books that Camus I, is your comfort reading. Oh, I am I am a post structuralist. <laughs> oh, my daughter came home school came home school. I'm sorry, it's the cold medicine. Came home from school the other day annoyed because she said um, her English teacher they 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 were they're not in AP lit, but her English teacher was giving they're in honors lit. They're they're. It's they're, they're sophomores, but she was starting. She's trying to introduce them to like some of the essays and some of the questions that they might encounter. And her teacher said something like, well, I know we say there's no wrong answers when you're interpreting literature, but actually sometimes <laughs> there are, and, and my daughter just came home so annoyed. She's like, I don't think there's any, there's no right answers. There might be better answers, but there's, so I'm like, well, you should talk to Amy because she will oh, agree with you. She can come talk to me about that anytime. That there are no right answers and that your own interpretation, what you're bringing to the work is, is always valid and real. But I think that whenever I'm having a really, really hard time, I want to read The Myth of Sisyphus, which is one of Camus' essays. Okay. Uh, I'm having, tr- I, I, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go read it. And then I'm going to tell you whether it's actually comfort reading or not. It, it totally like is comfort. comfort reading for me. And I think that many people would find it comforting. And you should you should read Schwangza. I like the Burton Watson translation. Okay. Um, but it's lovely. Okay. And life affirming in, in a good way. I mean, I like just regular fiction books too. I mean, I Sorcery and Cecilia, I read this week. And Sorcery and Cecilia, everybody who's listening to this, if you have not read Sorcery and the Cecilia, please go read it. I mean, you should seriously stop whatever you're doing right now, including this podcast. Go get Sorcery and Cecilia, read it, and come back. And you can send us thank you notes in Care of the Magazine, you know, the website. You can just, you know, or thank you emails are also acceptable. <laughs> um, it is so good. It is such a gem of a book. It, and it was out of print for so many years. It was on my list of, you know, when the building is on fire, grab your copy of Sorcery and Cecilia. Because this was pre, like, used books on the internet yes. um, world. And, uh, yeah. And if you have, like, a, a tween or a teen um, a daughter um who's even the little you think yeah it's so charming it is it's, pure delight it is it is really really good um oh and I the blue castle another ellen montgomery yes. but i love the blue castle i really yeah. want them to i know i always say this to you suzanne but i really want them to make a movie of it with nathan fillion as barney <laughs> snape <laughs> yeah yeah, I was thinking I need to do some some Montgomery rereading. Get off the get off not Anne, just because I've read Anne so many times, but reread the ones that I that I haven't read as often. I mean some of them, like the Blue Castle and the Tangled Web, some mm-hmm. of the little one offs are I think real literary treasures. Yeah. Yeah. There's some really good good stuff out there. So we would also like to hear about your comfort reading. Yes, please tell we're us. Always up for more. Georgette Heyer, you're the one that kind of got me into reading her because oh, I have I'd... not I do yeah. love her. Yes. And I don't, I don't always find that, um, I don't love all of her books. Um, but I still, when I open one, I know it's like, what you say, I know what I'm going to get and it's not going to be terrible. Yes. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, she's a lot. Cotillion, I think is my favorite that I've read so far. I, I like the gotten... Grand Sophie. Have you read the Grand Sophie? I have read the Grand Sophie. That was a really good one. Frederica's really good. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's lots. I know there's stuff out there that I have not yet discovered. <laughs> so, um, 
Oh, speaking of which, everybody should read the uh, Barry Hughhart trilogy about Masterly and Number 10 Ox. Okay. And they should also read the Ivory trilogy by Dorothy Egan. That's a fantasy science fiction. They're both, well, one is, they're both kind of fantasy. But um, we will include all these links in the show notes, which I will make after I listen to this 27 times so that I can write it down on the books. We don't usually recommend as right. many books at once. Right. Well, I'll send you, I'll, help, I'll try to send you an email with some of the. <laughs> With some of the ones. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I yeah. Think books save our lives, basically. Books are the best. And it is so happy to be surrounded by shine piles of. Now, so these are usually comfort reading is rereading for me. And I'm doing a little bit of that. But I'm also reading stuff I've just been really excited to read. Oh, yeah. Well, I think comfort reading is necessarily rereading because you know yeah. exactly what you're going to get. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's fun to read new things, too. Like, that can also be comforting in a different way. But I don't think of it as comfort reading. And it's fun to go to a new library where they buy all new books. And so all of the books on the shelves are like, ooh, I've heard of this. I want to read it. I know. New new libraries are, are so, like, like, going to a different library is like going to a different world. It's amazing. I know. Like, every shelf is like, ooh, ooh, you know. Uh, well, what else have we, what have we not talked about in this podcast about homeschooling through challenging times and coping mechanisms and comfort reading that we sh- that we need to talk about that we should be talking about? Um, hmm, I I can't think of anything except that I think in challenging times one of the best things is that feeling that you're not alone. So we would especially I think love to hear from you guys listening to this podcast about some of the things that we've talked about, about how you cope with hard times, about what you read to feel sane, mm-hmm. <laughs> about your mm-hmm. personal coping mechanisms. I, I think that kind of, kind of interaction is what Tough Times really calls for. And then we could have a follow-up segment. Ooh, in the next good. that's right if you got but yeah please email us you can you can tweet me at at suzy rez s-u-z-y-r-e-z maybe i'll learn how to respond or to retweet <laughs> <laughs> it's on my to-do list to learn how to do these things <laughs> you should talk to shelly hi shelly i knew shelly hi shelly yeah yeah shelly's awesome um, she tweeted me too so yeah so um, she's a great twitterer tweeter i don't i don't know what the technical term is I know it's not super complicated. I just, you know, I just got to figure it out. But, um, but yeah. So, well, so next week we're going to talk about uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Yes, and we're also going to talk about, we thought it would be fun to talk about some of our favorite math curriculum and materials. So if you have specific questions or interests or concerns around your math curriculum, uh, drop us a line and we'll try to address those directly too. You can email us anytime at podcast at homeschoollifemag.com. And I guess that is a wrap for this episode of the podcast with Suzanne and Amy brought to you by Homeschool Life Magazine. We will be back in a fortnight to talk to you again about all the places where homeschool and life intersect. Thanks so much for listening. Bye, everybody. <laughs>